Welcome to another episode of Together We Can, the podcast where we come together to explore topics to support our students and families. I'm your host, Wendy Johnson, superintendent of the amazing CUNA School District. In a previous podcast, we talked with school resource officers and asked what tip they would have for parents today. And they said, hands down, monitor your child's social media use. Today, we're sitting with a group of wonderful parents who are navigating the ever-evolving landscape of social media and the strategies they use to monitor and teach their children about social media. We're joined by Becky Stewart, Jamie Quigley, and Stephanie Little. Thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day um, to share some of your words of wisdom and experience. Um, Would you each tell us a little bit about yourself? We'll start with Jamie. Sure. I'm Jamie Quigley. Uh, I grew up actually overseas, mostly in Egypt, but I've been in Idaho for almost 20 years now, and I love it. Couldn't find a better place to raise my family than in CUNA. Um, Our youngest of our four kids just graduated last year, so we had four kids graduate in four years. So uh, we know the school system pretty well. Um, I've taught for 11 years in the CUNA School District, and 10 of those have been at CUNA High School. So I teach math. Yay, the loved subject of math. Absolutely. You make it. You make kids want to love it. Yeah. Well, all of my problems have answers in math. That's true. <laughs> and we're going to try Unlike to get to parenting. some of those today. Right, parenting is like, how do we help each other, right, yep, in exactly. this journey. Thank you, Jamie. Becky. Yes, I'm Becky Stewart. Um, I am a mom of three kids. A um, couple are adults at this point, and I have one more at uh, CUNA. Um I have lived in Idaho most of my life, except for three years. My husband and I took our family overseas, and we lived in Japan, where we exposed them to new experiences um, and had lots of highlights and exciting things, and then reintegrated back into CUNA society once again. I love serving, and I try to um, help in all the classrooms if I can or in the different schools. It's a joy of mine. Thank you. Stephanie? Well, I'm Stephanie Little, and I grew up in Southern California, and I've lived here in the Treasure Valley for about 20 years now. Wonderful. I'm married with four children that aren't really children anymore. (laughs) Um, My son is 21, and then I have three daughters, ages 19, 17, and 15. So my two youngest go to CUNA High School, where I occasionally sub. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for doing that for us. I appreciate it. So you all have, like are currently in the journey of raising young adults or have or still maybe getting your young adults to a point of, of responsibility and independence. Um, can you share your thoughts on the role of social media in the lives of our children today? Do you want to start, Jamie? Because you kind of see it from both perspectives, mom oh, and yeah. teacher. For sure. Um, for better or worse, it's here. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of really wonderful things about it and wonderful connections to be made. And um, there's a lot of dangers that can come with it at the same time. Um, And at the school, we see both the best and the worst, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, So I think if we can do what we can, I don't know, to me, it's kind of like driving. It's Mm. a necessary, it's necessary in our, our culture and just the way we live now, but it's to be done safely and with rules and conditions to keep everybody safe and to be prepared. How about, how about you, Stephanie? 
I am not a huge fan of yeah. social media, I'm yeah. just going to say. And I don't know that um, I want it to play a role yeah. in my young children or future grandchildren's yeah. lives. I just think that it's there are some really wonderful things about it, but it's a tool that um, we have to teach our kids how to use, yeah. kind of like training wheels. Yeah. And hopefully, eventually, they'll be able to navigate it on their own, yeah. but... Um, I, I don't let it play a huge part in my family's life. Great. Thank you for that perspective. I really appreciate it. How about you, Becky? I think there is good and bad to the social media. Um, it can be a great tool, an absolutely great tool if used properly. I, at first, was opposed to social media. But living abroad, it mm. definitely had opened my eyes to being able to extend myself in ways I wouldn't have been able to mm -hmm. and connect in ways that I wouldn't have been able to. I, I was able to stay connected with my family. And today I'm, I'm connected still with those who are, um, are all over the world mm -hmm. currently. I think that um, it's good for both children and adults, mm -hmm. but it needs to be introduced at different stages yeah. in our children's lives. And we need a hand in that as parents to help them navigate how to use it. And that hadn't really been something that was on the table for many, many years. Yeah. And that's where I think we're in this predicament mm -hmm. of the social media issue. So it would be nice to help make that change. Yeah, I was just talking to some principals um, before this, and they were talking about their, the kids, like we would share phone numbers, you know, when we were young, you know, on a piece of paper or something. And the how kids connect is through social media. That is what they do, you know. And so the reality of it and how do you handle that, if that's their their piece of paper, there's their connection, what do we do to keep those kids safe? Because their brains aren't developed yet. Um, so things that we would be like, oh, heads up, that is not okay. Um, they may not always have those um, responses because children tend to trust a lot more than adults do. So I appreciate the various perspectives and the advice that you're going to be sharing. So you all talked about in some way it's here, our kids are using it, and maybe at different limitations that, that they are using it. How have you approached setting age-appropriate boundaries for social media. We In school, we've seen kids at age five have a TikTok, right? Versus like maybe a ninth grader. What, what have you all done to deal with that? Um, first of all, we had an age limit where we, it was even a topic of discussion. So we decided when our kids were about 14, we would at least let them begin to fill it out. Uh, we actually put programs on our kids' phone that I first heard of through um, an advertisement through the CUNA school district. Okay. So we used Bark. Oh, yeah. And within Bark, they have different sensitivity thresholds mm -hmm. um, that we could change per kid, uh, it, kids at different ages, at different schools. Um, and that gave me a lot of flexibility where 
um, it, it took some weight off my shoulders yeah. um, because we had those settings already built into the kids' profiles. Like settings for certain words or cert- what? Could you give me an example of what um, that might look yes. like? Yes. So within Bark, it has, I think, three different um, kind of sensitivities. Mm-hmm. So say like profanity. Yes. Um, so the lowest, uh, the lowest sensitivity would flag... Um, when my kids would text each other and call each other uh, stupid. Yeah. And it would say uh, potential cyberbullying, cyber uh-huh. and it would right. alert me right. to it. And quickly I realized we didn't have to be that sensitive. Right. Um, so I had higher sensitivity higher sensitivity um, thresholds for those uh, um for my younger children, sure. and as they got older, I was able to uh, loosen that up and give yeah. them some more flexibility. So Bark worked really well as an alert for you. Loved it. To monitor it. And that is what we use in the school district, too. Like, we yep. look for, it's a pretty, it's a very sensitive setting, right? Yes. For, for our yes. settings for the school district. It's so. nice. It, it um, probably alerted to me to too many things. Yeah. But then I had the opportunity to sort through what was important and what I needed to address with our yeah, kids. Yeah, great. Well, I think when it comes to approaching social media with kids, the most important thing is to be intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of parents miss out on that. They, they get caught off guard that, you know, yeah. kids at certain ages, even if your child doesn't have a phone, how many of their friends do have a phone? Right. And you still need to be aware of, you know, what your kid is doing and, yeah. and what pictures are being taken of them and those yeah. types of things. So I would say be intentional and keep it positive. Um, kids will talk to you if you're positive. Mm-hmm. And so if you can find a way to, um, I don't know, Introduce them to social media in a way where they see it as a good thing, but also know, you know, that there are some things that they want to avoid. I let my kids watch me on social media for a long time. Yeah. Um, and if they want to look up for ideas for a birthday party, we'll mm. go on Pinterest together. Yeah. So, so they kind of get used to what is on there. And then if we see something inappropriate, yeah. we can talk about it. Because we do. That's the risk, right, with the, the world at our fingertips we as adults often encounter maybe things we don't want to see and certainly things we don't want our children to see. So, Becky, what, what kind of age with your kids, you know, how did you use that as a guidepost to I, you? Well, I, it, it just depends on the, the child's age for, age for sure. But um, I introduced things at different ages and different levels and maturity. Yeah. Sometimes... Uh, I'd have one child who was more mature at a certain age than somebody else. So I think you have to take into account some of those things. Yeah, I like to kind of look at it as kind of this baby stage mm. type thing, right? Um, we're parenting. We're not going to let our, our child just run with social media, right. right? But when we look at the baby stage, we've got our bonding time where we're bonding with our child. Yeah. And that's a continual thing for the rest of their lives, yeah. right? We're continually bonding. But that is the most important time there at the beginning. Then we've got that that crawl stage mm. where I kind of look at that as elementary, middle school, where I'm going to introduce a couple little things here, like texting, text yeah. messaging with just the parents, close friends, family. Mm-hmm. And even with friends, you still have to be careful. I'm not yeah. going to allow an adult friend of mine become yeah. a friend of theirs. Unless maybe I were in a situation where I didn't have family around, yeah. then maybe I would look at that and just find a trusted adult that yeah. I knew. But I would probably keep that as an open communication between the parent, child, and that adult. Um, 
I would also look at, you know, we're going into walking here. So maybe that's high school. For us, it was age 16. Mm-hmm. For my oldest, it, he wasn't so lucky there. He kind of pushed the limits in a sense that he's like, well, mom, everybody else has that, right? right? And I kind of had to look at that and reevaluate mm-hmm. what am I doing? And I need to educate myself a little bit more on how to do this and how to approach it. And so I did my best to learn that. Um, but I do believe that 16 is a pretty good age, but you still have those screen time limits. You still have those those safeguards that you put in place. Um, but now I understand that you can walk them along that path. Running is when they're adults. Yeah. They're out. They're gone. They're doing their own thing. And you can only hope that they've learned as we've kind of walked them through that yeah. process. I love that comparison because it, it's so concrete for us to think about the stages of releasing some of that um, autonomy, I guess. And it probably applies to other things than social media as well, right, when we're thinking about developing independence in our in our young people. So you, you made some reference to this, Becky, and I'm going to start with you on this question, if you don't mind. How, how do you balance the need for privacy with the responsibility to monitor your child's online activity. And another another way to maybe ask that is maybe it's not even just privacy, but like building that independence and building that I want to build trust in you. Um, how did you do that? You have the good analogy, but well, I think that is the trickiest part yeah. of parenting is in all aspects, not just social media, is finding that balance of privacy for your children, mm-hmm. allowing them to grow and uh, letting them become independent. That was really hard. Yeah. When I had my first five-year-old and he was showing that independence, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> but I just realized that was a natural thing. Yeah. They needed that. Um, so as parents, we really need to learn how to adapt to that, teach them along that way, of provide that privacy. Um, but because social media is harmful in yeah. a lot of ways, uh, we have to look at it differently. So for us, we don't allow screens. We don't allow screens at all in the bedroom. That's not even allowed. Um, their devices go into our bedroom. Yeah, Yeah, it is a good practice. And I just think that parents were just so uh, unaware of what the possibilities could be. Now that we really fully understand, um, we can now take these precautions and more parents, I think, will get on board. But for us, we also don't allow screen time even in other rooms alone. We keep yep. it all out there. Yep. So in our family room, our kitchen, it's all open. So everything's right there. Whether they're on a laptop or um, some other device or whatnot, it's it's all out there. But it doesn't mean that we're staring at their screen right. the whole time. We, right. we allow them that privacy, but it also just reminds them that I need to just have some checks and balances here. I think it's a really good um, idea to do that so that we do have those checks and balances um, with one another as well. Like we can hold each other accountable. Right, right. Great. That's a great concrete example. No alone time with screens. Don't take it into the bedroom. Would you, either of you, add to that? Um, yeah. So um, 
I, as we have two working parents and mm-hmm. the time that we have to devote to monitoring is limited, especially with yeah. four kids in high school at one point. Yeah. In time. So, um, I really appreciated that on, on the bark app, um, mm-hmm. it, it will screenshot things and send it to me and the kids know what those thresholds are. And if they keep them below the thresholds, I, I don't have level. to worry about it. Yeah. Um, with that said, we have our kids turn in our phones at night yeah. and they turn them into our kitchen. Um, and uh, we, we pay for their service. And with mm-hmm. that um, comes the right to search and seizure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I, I would do spot checks occasionally just looking through their phones. But luckily through the app, I could check um, the majority of things on my own device. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I think, um, I don't know, I kind of have approached it from our family's values. I don't know. I really have been big on telling my kids, you know, this is what I want us to stand for. And so my kids know it's faith, family, and freedom. And then how does social media play into that? You know, another word for faith is trust. And I want to be able to trust them. And I want to... um, I want them to know that I can't necessarily trust what's out there. Right. That's not a reflection on them, right. but that's just the world we live in. And also, phones can be very addicting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know this myself as an adult, so that can affect their freedom. Yeah. And I, I try and help them see, put those together, yeah. that their values can dictate how they use this tool. It's yeah. a great um, connection. Like, what do we stand for and how does this impact what's important to us. I really appreciate that, that personal mission, right? That we, mm-hmm. we have organizational missions and personal missions. Thank you. Um, you mentioned Bark as a tool. Are there other tools or apps that you have found helpful in when it comes to monitoring? Um, when my kids were younger, I really liked uh, Disney has a circle. Uh, I oh, think it actually mm-hmm. attaches to part of your router pre yes. you know, cell phone yeah. age yeah. for our kids. Um, I, that was great. It helped set uh, screen time limits per kid. You mm-hmm. could set the hours of the day that they were allowed. Um, and then as they got older, uh, Bark was super helpful, but it actually didn't, still didn't cover right. all the bases I needed. Um, we used a program called Custodio for a little bit oh, that was yeah. helpful. Um, and then um, I believe now we, we've used uh, the Google Family Link parameters mm-hmm. that was helpful. Um, and then a lot of... Uh, like Samsung has family settings that you can yeah. set now too. And a lot of that's newer. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't super helpful when my kids were younger. But um, most of those have covered the bases from very young to adultish yeah. children. Yeah. Great. Yeah. We, we have a couple of different, different options, but we, we definitely do the hands-on approach. Like we are monitoring, we go and check like what Jamie was talking about. Um, just, um, checking their phones and their devices. Um, I guess if it's easier to remember, you could set a reminder. Um, you know, I, my husband's been really great about participating um, with me in this Good. journey. Yeah. Um, I think at first United it probably— United Front, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, and he used to travel so much, it yeah. wasn't as easy for yeah. him. So as, as COVID happened and he's around more and he's more aware, too, of what's going on, we've become more of this power team of mm-hmm. trying to— to figure out how to do these things together. 
And so that's been really helpful. He's had a lot of hands-on approach in that too as well. So that, that's that been great. I do understand that not everybody has that. But yeah. um, even if somebody has a, a grandparent or somebody mm-hmm. else who can have another hand in the child's life, I think that's a great way to have that that support system. But um, we just we have a couple different things that we use. And one is just from the Apple um, which is the systems app. Mm-hmm. It's just right there within the systems. I know that other Androids and smartphones are starting to have that yeah. as an option as well. And you can go online. It will teach you exactly how to do it, how to set your limits, um, very much like uh, Bark and, and yeah. things like that now. So um, as a secondary on our, our PCs and things like that, you can actually um, use the Microsoft Family Safety. Yeah. So that's been something that we've implemented on our computers you can each have each child will have a different um, account so it will they will log into that account and it will specify exactly everything regarding their use on that computer and you can actually download that on your phone so you can monitor Mm -hmm. everything and control it from your phone as well there's a lot of new features that I didn't even realize were there like you can even track your child's driving Oh, wow. So yeah. I'm like, yeah. there is so much I I don't even know that I'm now excited to go and learn about. Yeah. So just a lot of new features that are really starting to come out. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm stalking my child. <laughs> and, and it's kind of sad because you want to allow that privacy. But it is necessary in our world today, unfortunately. Um, but these are things that I feel like we, we have used and are continuing to use um, for our children and the alerts are helpful, but I think having that open communication is one of the biggest things yeah. in helping our kids use the social media. Um, I have had a child who, um, you know, once they reached a certain age, they're like, I don't even want social media. Yeah. And I was like, is there something wrong? Like I just, I and, and I think that they just realized observing mm-hmm. what other people were dealing with, it just wasn't worth it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what about you? Are there tools that haven't been mentioned, Stephanie, that you well, find we've used helpful? a lot that like yeah. Jamie was talking about. Like we're still using QStudio right mm-hmm. now and the Google uh, links. But um, I would say my favorite tool is a contract. Mm. I have my kids sign a contract when they get a phone. Kind of like you said, the phone belongs to you mm-hmm. and, and not them. And so a phone is a privilege. It's not a right. And... Um, we review those contracts yeah. regularly because sometimes it needs to change. I mean, yeah. sometimes they've shown that, you know, yeah. they they get it. They're yeah. responsible and they don't, the training wheels can come off for that yeah. feature or whatever. But, um, and then I use the old-fashioned mom trick. It's just, my kids know, I'll just yell out, phone check. Yeah. I'll grab their phone and if somebody comes running towards me like, wait, wait, wait. Then I know is like, yeah. okay, then we talk about that. Well, like, what are we trying to hide and why? Yeah. You know, because in our family, we value being trustworthy, yeah. you know. So um, it's been good. And it yeah. also helps hold them accountable. It holds their friends accountable, too, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, a contract is, um, you know, we use that a lot in, in ed- on the education front, too, helping kids understand what the boundaries are, what the expectations are. We're, we're teaching all of that um, mm-hmm. so that. It's clear when, what will happen if they don't do it, what will happen if they do do it. So it's very a lot of clear, research yes. says, good job on the contract. But you have so. to follow through. You, you do. Like, you have to follow you through. And you're, hopefully you're teaching your kids that when they sign a contract, 
It yeah. means something. Yeah, your name's on this. You're keeping your word. That's yeah. important. Yeah. Could you give us some examples of what's in your contract just to give our parents some ideas. Sure. So there are a lot of different contracts available mm-hmm. online. You just go search in Google for a phone agreement or contract for teens, and you'll find a bunch of them. And uh, the one that we use, it was really positive. It's like, congratulations, you've got a phone. You know, we yeah. want to help you. We're here to support you. And we hope this is a good thing in your life. Well, like you said, good. it's important like to establish rules, like violations. Yeah. So, like, we don't let allow phones in bedrooms. Yep. If we find a phone in a bedroom, then what's the consequence? The consequence is they lose their phone for a week. Yeah. And so mom has to follow through on that. Yeah. And sometimes it's really not convenient. Right. You know, they were planning on going on a trip somewhere with somebody else, and you're just like, man. I know. I need to be in contact with them, yes. but they can't have yes, their phone. Yes, but, yeah. you know, I found if you reach out to other parents and even yes. their friends— they still have access to a phone, <laughs> right. Right. and um, it's important to follow through. But knowing those consequences ahead of time, I feel like, is crucial. Yeah. Because who likes to be surprised with a punishment? Right. I right. mean, it's hard enough to be a teenager, but yeah. to have something like that just come down on you, yeah. I don't want that for my kids. Yeah. So, And I want them to be involved. I mean, I want them to buy in. Yeah. I want yeah. them to buy into our family's values. So. Yeah. They can't do that if they don't know what they are. Right. So we value this, an example of no um, cell phones in the bedroom. And if you do, these are the consequences. So making it very crystal clear to reinforce your values as a family. Um, Great example. And go online. There's a ton of examples. Ton of contracts. Great. Like cell phone contracts, social media contracts. Those are things to look for. Yep. Great. So we've talked a little bit about this, but... Talking about fostering open communication with your children about online experiences, um, I'm thinking in terms of what do you do when they have maybe a negative experience? Or you see that in, in your monitoring tools that something like a search wasn't appropriate or maybe somebody contacted them and used words that weren't according to your values in your home. How do you deal with that? situation with your children or even if they haven't done it hypothetically how would you do it definitely done it so i've definitely had experience yeah, those it, boundaries, that's their right? job yeah. that really is their yeah. job to to earn that independence so yeah. um the first thing i would say is deal with it like yeah. don't ignore it yeah um it's never going to be a convenient time it's never really the most fun conversation but these are also skills our kids need they need to learn how to have these crucial conversations to be held accountable and to own up Mm -hmm. um i think that's something even adults struggle with sometimes so have it um i've actually gotten on text uh, like a group text yeah where it was just getting out of hand these Mm -hmm. gentlemen were not using PG language, which is a rule for our family. Right. And so I just got on and said, hey, this is so-and-so's mom. Just want to let you know we need it to be PG. Thanks. Appreciate it. Have yeah. a great day, you know. And just, then they know, you know, oh, somebody's Claire wasn't watching. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> she really wasn't kidding when she said yes. that her mom checks her phone. Yes. So, yes. but, I mean, I, I don't think I did any harm. Right. And um, It was positive. And I think most kids want to be held accountable. Yes. They want to know that you care. Yep, absolutely. 
we have this conversation a lot as yeah. teachers. Yes. <laughs> um, I'd actually love to put just a little bit of a spin on it. Um, so just talking about what's acceptable and what's socially acceptable. We have the, the biggest fight I have in my classroom is getting kids' attentions from their phones. Mm -hmm. It is the biggest fight I have. And as a math department, we started collecting phones at the beginning of a class. Mm -hmm. They just go in a bucket. I keep them safe behind my desk. They show me they're done with their assignment, and they can go back and get it. Um, we've had a couple exceptions, but it is exhausting mm -hmm. to try to fight keeping attention in a subject, especially as detail-oriented as yeah. math, when kids' cell phones are going off constantly right. and their alerts are going off constantly. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've, we've run into other issues. Um, one of our uh, safety gentlemen was, was in, a cross, in a crossing walk, and he had kids walking into a street, looking at their phones, not looking where they were going. Um, those become the drivers that are looking at their phones and not looking yeah. where they're going. Um, and then sometimes it's even just I'm trying to have a conversation with the kid, and they have their earbud in, and they're trying. I'm talking to their face, and they're looking at their phone. And as a teacher, I, I don't want to be responsible for somebody else's possessions. But at the same time, I have my job that I'm trying to do. And t I guess where I'm going is there, there's etiquette online and there's etiquette even in person when you yes. have your cell phones. Yes. And to just teach your kids when it's appropriate to have your cell phone out and not. Um, we've had parents uh, say that we should not be taking cell phones in class. And, and again, I'm not looking at anybody's phone. It just literally sits in a box on my desk. Um, but uh, our our system evolved because we were losing so much instruction time to babysitting cell phones mm -hmm. instead of being able to teach. Yeah, thank you. I like what she said about the notifications, though, and how sensitive our kids are to those notifications. And um, a lot of times, my kids didn't know you can turn notifications off. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've done it on my own yeah. phone. So you just Me too. aren't a slave to those little vibrations or dings mm -hmm. that are going off all day. And just know that you can turn them off. That the, the phone is a tool for you to mm -hmm. use, not for you to be used by the phone. Right. It's not your yeah. master. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to add to what Jamie had mentioned about the cell phones in the schools. And it's been a great experience that FMS and KMS have not had those phones available to those kids. Um, not that my daughter was allowed to have hers, but it's a significant difference in the learning experience when a teacher used to complain about the noise of kids chatting, mm -hmm. right? Now that's all they wish they had, mm -hmm. right? Instead of focusing so much on that phone. Instead, we're, we're now seeing that chat again and that interaction yeah. and working together as teachers and kids. And I have just appreciated that so yeah. much. We've heard a lot of positive. Because, you know, um, like you said, Jamie, sometimes there's parents that get real upset when you ask for students to turn in their phone or they're worried that they can't contact their kids if they need to. And I always go back to, I, I know I'm old, but you can get a hold of your kid. <laughs> if they don't have a cell phone available, you call the school, they'll get them right down to talk to you, right? I'm, I'm not even joking. At least once a day, I have a kid say that the parent is calling during my class and mm -hmm. can they go take the call in the hallway? During, during school. And so when they do, if they were to do that, they're going to miss instruction. Mm -hmm. That's valuable. Yep. So, and we're also preparing kids for the workplace. That typically isn't allowed, 
right, depending on the job, right, and what the responsibility level is, too, so you're kind of preparing them for that. We've talked about trust, especially talking about it in terms of crawling, walking, right, nurturing environment. Would you add anything else on the concept of trust and building trust when it comes to using social media? You know, I was thinking about this and and how I could actually approach this answer. I, I have a certificate in marriage and family studies and learning so much about the development of children and mm-hmm. families and such. You really cannot have trust with online anything mm-hmm. with your children if you don't have a trust and a bond between the parent and the child. Yeah. It is so important that you go back to the beginning. You go back to building a relationship of trust and love and an understanding that I think is lacking mm-hmm. in families today. Mm-hmm. So when we can build that there, then the trust issue isn't going to be much of an issue mm-hmm. because you've already established that and you have to continue to establish it. And I'm not saying I'm a perfect parent and you can ask my children. <laughs> no, nobody is, right? Ask my children. <laughs> yeah. But it's important that we as parents even show some humility and admit when we're wrong, except when the kids are right. Let them see that when they do they're building faith in you. They really are. And so that's when they're going to start trusting the parent because there's some humility there that I think sometimes we don't want to, that we're the parent. We know, right? Yeah, Yeah. we're the parent. And sometimes I'm still like that. And then I'm like, (laughs) okay, I need to back off. Yeah. And we really do have to have a relationship with our children that is based on trust Everything else will come and follow as needed when that's there. Great. Would you add to that? Yes. Um, So one of our children proved for some amount of time that they were unable to follow our rules. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, could not we could not trust their behavior with Mm -hmm. their cell phones. And... um, Speaking of search and seizure, their phone was seized. And um, uh, we actually took them off our cell phone plan entirely Mm -hmm. and said, until you either pay for everything yourself or um, you're able to meet our expectations, we don't feel like this is good for you. Yeah. And that was a hard conversation to have. It was. Um, His little sister had to uh, drive him to school and manage his uh, friend's cell phone calls for him Mm -hmm. um, for for some amount of time until he's able to correct it. But... um, there was too much at risk by continuing to yeah. have his phone on him all the time that it was not worth it to us. Yeah. And I think that is so important. Yeah. I think what you did was just right. Great job, Mom. <laughs> what is Mom? I know. I, I wish you could see what I'm seeing right now. Is I beep the other parent. We're cheering for Jamie. We're like, yes, yes. So that's hard, right? Being the bad guy as a parent. How, what do you do to support yourself, get support yourself with this? Yeah. Well, I think first, if you're going to have your kids trust, you need to tell them the why. Mm. Um, so many times I, I think, well, of course they understand why yeah. I, I don't want them to it's be obvious. doing this behavior, yeah. but they don't. So mm-hmm. share the why. So then they're like, oh, mom's not doing this because she's 
a control freak. <laughs> it's because she really loves me and she mm -hmm. sees that, you know, down the road, this could lead to something not great. Yeah. Um, so tell them the why. Um, and then just establish that relationship. Yeah. I tell my kids 12 hugs a day is what a human needs to thrive. Yeah. And they don't all have to be from mom. <laughs> but um, I'd want some of them to be though, right? <laughs> right. It would be nice. But um, yeah, that trust. Also, like you said, the humility, own your mistakes. Mm -hmm. These Teenagers are so sensitive to hypocrisy. Oh, yeah. I remember being that way mm -hmm. at that age. I mean, they are just watching you so closely. Mm -hmm. So when you mess up, own it. Yeah. Let them see how you do that. And you, I've been surprised at the grace they give me, yeah. you know, and hopefully they've seen me give them that grace right. in return. It's easier for us to give grace when we've seen it. Yeah. Thank you. Any other like, what do you do? I mean, it's hard. Well, I, I will tell you as a teacher, one of my favorite things is when kids get their cell phone taken away by their parents, mm -hmm. partly because I know their parents have my back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one less fight I have to have in yeah. the classroom. Feels like a partnership. Oh, it so does. We're, we're in so this does. together for your kid. Yeah. If my child was ever on their phone <laughs> during class, well, that's one of our rules for phone mm -hmm. use. Is it, is it kind? Is it respectful? And is it clean? I mean, those are the three things. And if they're on their phone during math class, that is not respectful. Yeah. You know, and that's a skill that they need to learn. If someone's talking to me, I put my phone down. Yeah. We don't have phones at the table. Yeah. You know, I put my phone down. I give them eye contact and have a real conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm backing you up all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We all do. Yeah. Okay. Jamie, you're a double mom. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Man. Probably a hundred. Mom to many. Uh, 130 Plus kids. Mom. Yeah. Plus four. <laughs> yeah. I'll take them all. It's good. And a math mom at that. Yeah. You're used to disappointing people sometimes, right? With math, right? It's, it's like, true. oh, it's hard. It's a it's hard subject. It's true. It's worth it. It's though. important. It's the most important. So, so a lot of conversations um, around peer pressure, cyberbullying, when it comes to social media, maybe even adding texting to that. But as I've learned more and more, our kids are so living on social media. That's how they're communicating with one another and maybe people that they shouldn't be. Um, how do you prepare your children to deal with peer pressure when it comes to social media? I mean, it's one thing to deal with it in person. That's hard too. But then you have this whole other level of outside influence potentially when it comes to social media. I think that's why it's so key to have those values in mm -hmm. place. Um, they'll feel the friction mm -hmm. between what their friends are asking them to do and what they've been taught at home. And it's okay to question. It's absolutely okay to question. Um, you want them to. Mm -hmm. You want them to really think these things through. But um, yeah, I think if you have those values in place, we also have a family password. Like if they get in a situation yes. where they are in danger or somebody's doing something that they feel unsafe, yeah. they know the word to text me and I'm there, you know, yeah. and no questions asked, you know, yep. I'm no shame. No, and I tell them all the time, you know, you can blame anything on your mom. Yep. I can take it, you know, if, if it gets you out of a situation, I have no problem with yep. that. So um, just giving them ways out, talking about it a lot, yeah. because it does happen. Like, I did have to step in mm -hmm. in one instance and tell a young lady, you know, if you continue with this, 
we will be contacting the police. Yeah. And that brought it to a, yeah. a stop, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Um, sometimes you have to create boundaries for other people's children, right. and that's okay. Right. But I think it's important for your kids to learn also how to do that for themselves, how to stand up to friends yeah. when they're putting that pressure on. And if they give in, I mean, who hasn't been there, right? right. So give them some grace and talk about, well, what will we do next time? Yeah, what'd you learn from that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, peer pressure has always been, and mm-hmm. it always will be. It just is always going to look different, right? Um, but I think, you know, for my kids, going back to the baby stages, allowing them to learn how to have personal messaging mm-hmm. through text and, and appropriate type messaging and teaching that. And when my kids are in elementary and um, somewhat into middle school, they're not allowed to have numbers or friends' numbers on their phone, and they aren't allowed to give out their phone number to them, but they're allowed to use mine. Mm -hmm. And so for a while, they're using my phone numbers between group texts Mm -hmm. and and individual texting and all of that so that when I see a red flag, I can talk about this with my child. So at a young age, I'm teaching them, okay, this is is not appropriate or... um, you know, this kind of concerns me. What do you think? How do you feel about this? How would you approach this? Mm-hmm. And so it's allowing the child to think through this issue as well. Like, well, how would I respond to this? And and we discuss that. Well, would you want to be unkind? Would you want to be, you know, so having that discussion of how to approach in conversation um, is a great way at a young age it does take work. It, it yeah. does take a lot of work from parents. Um, but that is part of our job is to kind of guide them through that so when they are on their own, they can handle those things. And maybe, you know, when they get to that social media, my fortunately, my older kids probably didn't experience any of that. Some didn't really have the social media. Some didn't want it. But they had the bullying because they didn't have social yeah, media. right. And that was so much peer pressure that it actually did affect my kids in a way that it was very negative. And I think we need to fo- also focus on that stigma of, of teaching parents that if teach your children that it's okay not to have social media. Yeah. That if others do not have it, it's okay. Yeah. So... Because everybody's going to be at different stages in their development. Families are all going to be different in how they approach social media and how they deal with it. And so I think it's just learn to be kind to one another despite that. We are setting that example, too. And it is important that we, uh, you know, offer that example to them. I wanted to say something else about the cyberbullying and peer pressure. Um, Something that is in our phone contracts is that... Every contact in their phone will include a first and last name Mm. because we've noticed a lot of nicknames Mm -hmm. and we don't know who's talking to who. And so um, it's just another way for our children to be accountable. Like, if you're going to say this, put your name to it. Yeah. You know, it's easy to say something anonymously. Right. You know, or online that you wouldn't say in persons. Yeah. But if you put your name to it, it should mean something. Yeah. Your words are now yours. Right. Yeah, not some pretend person or nickname, like you said. And then when they move on to dating and they're going other places, you know, they just assume that you know this person that they're going out with. And so, you know, we also insist on having their first and last name. You know, we need need some basic information. Have any of you experienced 
outside groups or individuals, like kids that wouldn't even be from CUNA, for example, try to make contact with your kids in a negative way at all? I've not actually experienced that, Mm -hmm. partly because um, our rule is that you don't get to add people to your social media accounts unless we know who they are. Yeah. And we have a conversation about that, and and then if if it's somebody that they don't know well enough, we don't allow them to even friend them. I know that's not always easy to say or do, Um, but as parents, we also are friends with our kids. Yeah. Um, You know, there's kids that are kind of sneaky and can do different things and get behind Mm -hmm. that, you know, I don't need need to go into detail about any of that stuff. but I think it can be very tricky. There are ways that kids get around certain things. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really important that we try to take the precautions. So, yeah, we're going to ask who those people are before they're even allowed to have them on there. So Great advice. So then you don't even have to worry about who is this person? Why right. are they contacting you? And we really encourage that they add those people that they already know currently that encourages them to have face-to-face relationships first. Yes, yes. And then you add the social media. What What's something that maybe I didn't ask that you think parents should know? I would add that, um, especially with two working parents, mm-hmm. it's exhausting. Yeah. It is work. It is effort. It is tiring. It's discouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how much you trust, trust your kid, there are outside influences that are there no matter what, yeah. no matter who. Um, and it can be really demoralizing sometimes. And often it's just, I just don't have time for this right, right. now. I just, it's it's something I know I need to do and I'll get to it when I can. Um, but the stakes are so high. Yeah. Um, and uh, with the Surgeon General's warning that yes. has come out recently, yes. um, and we're just beginning to um, understand this Pandora's box that's already open mm-hmm. and how much it is impacting our kids. It's yeah. literally changed um, our social interactions forever. Yeah. Um, we need to make it a priority. Yeah. And it was the last thing I wanted to do on a Saturday night. Yeah. And it was, I promised myself I'd do it that day. And um, something would come up that required conversations <laughs> after right. I already wanted to go to bed. Right. Um, but my kids are worth it. Yeah. And um, as their parent, I can't not. I have just realized that with all of my children are very different. And how I need to approach them mm-hmm. is different. Some, I need to make sure that their emotions ha- are are approachable. So I can't always have that hard conversation immediately. Yeah. It needs to happen, but sometimes it might be a week. Yeah. It might be two weeks, depending on the situation yeah. and what's going on. And sometimes as parents, we also need to keep our cool. And yeah. if we're not quite ready to have that conversation, then don't have it yet. But don't put it on the back burner never to be seen yeah. again. Make a reminder that you need to do it or talk to your your spouse about it so that you can say, look, we need to have this discussion. And then you keep each other accountable and helping each other. Um, but it, it the hard conversations have to happen. It's yeah. just the timing yeah. is huge. Well, and, and I would offer up, 
If you're a parent who's uncertain about how to approach that hard conversation, we have great resources in our schools, in our counselors, with our social workers who can help you know how to enter that, may even be able to help you facilitate that conversation. We just had a podcast not too long ago about from our counselors, and they're like, we do that a lot. We help the kid have that conversation with the parents. So we're very well equipped to even give you some tools. I know there's a lot of tools online, too, that will say, how do you have that conversation? Um, and the best thing is to not do it when you're angry. And, you know, the, remember the ad that said count to 10 before you, sometimes it might be 10 days, right? Yeah. Count 10, yeah. 10 seconds or 10 minutes or 10 hours, you know, before you can right. actually have it. So. And I'm going to admit, I did not wait sometimes. Yeah. And then the results are always negative. Yeah. So defensive. Yes. Anger. Yeah. They're not going to feel that trust or that, yeah. that love for you. And so, of course, they're not going to open up. That's not an open communication time. So I am guilty of that. Yeah. I think that's one of the most important skills we teach our kid mm-hmm. is emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably teach him from the wrong end of the example <laughs> more than the positive. But, you know, I just think it's it's okay. We have to be patient with each other. It's a skill. Yeah, it it's is. a skill. And you've got to have the conversations. Yeah. You just you just have to do it. Um, and I'd also say develop your parental instincts. It's really important that you know your child well. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're struggling in a certain area. Um, it's our job as parents to help them see the big picture and help them as they're developing relationships. That's what they're doing at this age, and it's a healthy, developmentally appropriate thing for them to be doing. But that prefrontal cortex mm-hmm. is not fully there, so they have to borrow ours sometimes, yes. and that's okay, yes. but um, that's our job. We we did sign up for that, and it's okay to say no. It I, is okay I, to I say think, no. Um, my children don't get social media until they're 18. Yeah. They can use mine, mm-hmm. um, and we can explore it that way, but we wait until they're 18, and they've all been okay with that. Yeah. And even talking to some students in the high school when I'm subbing, um, these conversations will come up when we're waiting for the bell or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, wow, I wish my mom and dad had done that. Yeah. Because it's just so much pressure on these kids, you know, to have the likes and to have the friends and and. I, it's life is hard enough. My kids just didn't need that pressure. Yeah. So it's okay to say no, and you can get creative. Um, yeah. Because it is important for them to have those relationships and connections. I think that's the important thing. That's what these teens really want is connection with their peers. Yeah. So find ways to to enable that. You know, it doesn't have to just be through their phones. Find ways for them to hang out. Mm-hmm. Find ways for them to get involved with a club or at school. Um, help them create those connections. Yeah, because true connection isn't happening usually on social media. It's pretty surface. The real connection happens in person. Um, being involved, connected, having similar goals like in a, on a sports team or music or whatever it is, we have a lot of opportunities for kids to connect in our in our schools. You guys have been amazing. As I'm as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking like this needs to be a workshop. <laughs> now the next step is you listen to this. Here's how we're gonna help you do it, right? You know, walk you through what that means. Cause this stuff is constantly evolving. I learned of another social media connection today I've never heard of before. So just knowing that it changes all the time 
It's hard to keep up with everything. But you have to stay on top of it. You have to read, Mm -hmm. read, read. You have to talk and talk to other parents. Um, A lot of parents have really good ideas, you know, and if it works for them, it might work for you. So use those resources, the resource officers at school. Oh, yeah. Be the one. My kids have seen me approach him, you know, and just say, hey, how's it going? What's what's going on? You know, so they know that they can approach him, too. You know, go to the counseling office. Yeah. Show them how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's really hard for these kids to deal with all of this social media. There's so much pressure. But it is so good when your adult child can come to you and thank you Mm -hmm. for protecting them. Yeah. So it's just like what you mentioned, you know, learn your instincts because you are the protector of your child. And... And a lot of other adults want the best for your children as well as our teachers are there supporting. And as parents, we need to support the teachers in that. And one day our children will come to us and thank us. They will come to a teacher and thank yeah. them as well. Yeah. That you don't usually get thanked for being having high expectations in the moment, but there is a point in time when we all have realized it ourselves, our kids realize it. Our students realize it because you help prepare them, um, and they can compare themselves to others who were not as well prepared. I think that's when it dawns on a lot of our students and ourselves included in that um, when we were young people. So thank you for those closing thoughts. Anybody else have some closing thoughts? You can do it. <laughs> you can. Yay, you can it. do it. You know, stay positive and yeah. you know, have have fun with it. You know, make up your own contract. You yeah. know, reward them if they do something amazingly well. Yeah. You know, pay attention. Um, I I know some people think teenagers are just so hard, <laughs> and they can be grumpy. Yeah. But in my family, we call them teen angels. Oh. Because there's so much to celebrate about them. Oh, They're so absolutely. smart. They're funny. And I mean, I've learned how to send memes. And <laughs> <laughs> yay! <laughs> you know, so That's my, how we communicate yeah, in our so family. Even yeah. this boomer can play. <laughs> you know, find ways to do that. Love your kids. And, and, and you can do it. Thank you for joining us today on this podcast and sharing your wisdom in this kind of interesting digital age, post-digital age, kind of what our students' daily lives are about. Um, Listeners, we hope you found the tips and experiences shared by our amazing panel of parents both valuable and inspiring. Remember, navigating social media with your children is an ongoing conversation, as was shared multiple times in our conversation today. Take the tips that resonate with you, adapt them to your family's needs, and most importantly, keep the lines of communication open with your young adults. Together as a community, we can support each other in guiding our children towards a healthy and balanced relationship with technology. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with fellow parents who might find it helpful. I imagine this episode will be shared quite a lot because it is a topic of conversation among parents. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes, please feel free to reach out. Thank you to our amazing podcast producers, Allison Westfall and Troy Stevens. Yay, they're awesome. Until next time, stay curious, stay connected, and remember, together we can.